Join us today as we tumble down the trapdoor of tangents for part two of our Games of the Decade. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Zephyrin. And today we are continuing our little mammoth discussion of our games of the decades. Kind of working our way through year by year. And this time around we're going over the midpoint, if you like. uh, Covering the games of the decade that are from 2013, 2014, 2015. Because I was thinking about this actually. It's like we're not talking about repeated games games of the year it's more like games of the decade as a whole but nine choices came out in the year like (laughs) Like that was sort of what i wanted to do because there's a few games that i want to talk about that i haven't mentioned on the episode on the podcast before Mm. and also some that like probably wouldn't make a game of the year rank but these are just the nine or ten choices that we had that we really enjoyed this decade that happened to each come from one year right exactly and it's interesting like it makes you pick kind of different games to when you are at the end of a year mm. and you go what was my game of the year like that's a very different thing to yeah looking at an entire decade and going well what are my top games from these different years mm. but yeah so we're covering 2013 2014 and 2015 this time around um, once again we've each got a, a game and we'll cover some honorable mentions and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well and I'll, I'll kick us off Why okay not? with uh, a game that we've talked about before uh, we had an episode uh, where we talked all about sort of reminisced about massively multiplayer online oh games. Right, yeah my game uh, my game of the decade from 2013 is uh, final fantasy 14 a mm. realm reborn yes yeah, specifically a realm reborn yeah. yes very much so not the not the original release from 2010 that is on no one's game of the decade <laughs> <laughs> yeah we talked about this game before but final fantasy 14 is the the second MMO in the Final Fantasy series, Yeah, because right? they had Final Fantasy XI. right? Yeah. And it's famous for being shut down because it was so bad mm. that the developers couldn't live with it, essentially. Or, like, it wasn't really... You build an MMO to last a long time. And with something like Final Fantasy, you can't have a subpar game no. standing the test of time for many years. Uh, and so they... It's almost an unprecedented decision hmm. um, to shut it down, rebuild it, and bring it back up, and make that part of the game. Yeah, because like the story actually involves that. Like there is like a part of the story is that the world ends, and that was the first like version of the game. Hmm. Wasn't even out for very long. I don't think was no. it? It was only like a what a couple of months at most. I can't remember, but it was definitely not out for very long. And the reason why I liked. The Realm Reborn. I don't play that many MMOs. And I think that the main thing that I really like about Final Fantasy XIV is I feel like all of the quality of life parts of the game absolutely match the kind of way that I want to play an MMO. Mm. So it may not, maybe they don't appeal as much to everyone, but they appeal a lot to me. Mm. And so things like 
the way that the class system works means yeah, that you sure. can use the same character to play completely differently even down to like different roles so you know you've got you've you may have a job or a class or whatever that is a tank role and then you may have one that's a dps role and you can have the same character and you can mix and match you don't have to log out and log into your yeah. old um, yeah, you have to level it, but but the leveling is also faster. You're, you're given like bonus XP to level a different job. This is something that I'm really surprised took until 2013 to become a thing in an MMO, <laughs> right? really. I mean, maybe others did it, but certainly not as seamlessly as it seems to have been done in Final Fantasy XIV. Yep. Like, when you think about, like, you just take WoW as the example, mm. right? It's kind of mad that if you want to play a different character or like maybe like you've got a group of friends and like you don't have a healer otherwise, like, oh, I'm going to jump on my healer then even though it's not my main character. You have to like log out, log in with a different character that has like a different like set of items and skills and and, ch- and like friends and all the rest of it. It's like, that's mad. Like, yeah, this it's so cumbersome and so unnecessarily clunky. Yeah. You know, and it's just so simple because like at the end of the day, it's the same person playing it. What does yeah. it matter if it's not the same exact class every time exactly. it just means everything's so much more seamless and you also feel more attached to the one character that you right. do create within your game it becomes much more about like your character is your is really your avatar yeah in, in final fantasy 14 you know it's 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 obviously you can have more than one character if you want to and uh, there's no you're not like penalized for that but you don't you just don't need to no. and that really appeals to me the other things that appeal to me is like uh, Tony and I played Final Fantasy fourteen together, but otherwise I'm not. I've never been uh, an MMO player that like gets into like a guild and mm. you know uh, goes uh, goes raiding with with a guild at a certain time and all of yeah. that kind of thing. You know, you that enjoy the content of the stuff. game as opposed to like the social elements of the exactly. game. Exactly, I like MMOs because they are so massive. They are so escapist. Like they mm. are like I always think that MMOs are the absolute maximum escapism as a game uh in the sense that like it will just go on forever you can escape forever in that game but also there's like content to work through and kind of like get immersed into unlike a first person shooter that you know you have rounds in or something where it's like it's not really like a it's not like immersive even though you can play it a lot Um, and so as a result like being able to final fantasy 14 has really great like giving you things to do like mm. you, you know, there's like a duty finder and it's very easy to just queue for a dungeon or a, or a, min, you know, a mini boss and it levels you down to whoever need, you know, wherever you need to be. You know, it's just kind of like you can log in and be like, right, there are like five things I can do whilst I'm also running around questing. And, yeah. you know, I can queue for this thing and I can do a bit of this and and there's just like loads of stuff like that like uh, like i say there's kind of like there's grouping for just doing bosses and then bosses have a hard mode and they're really fun like there's like mechanics you need to learn um but it's just distilled down into like fighting that big boss you know you don't have to run through a whole dungeon to get there kind of thing there's also things like you get bonus xp if you kill a certain number of things there's like a hunting log that you have to work through like to destroy monsters which helps you explore more and see more of the area yeah there's just there's just a lot to like there's a really a lot to like it's such an easy to enjoy mmo 
you know, it's you also can, like, a really pretty it. game as well. Like it has it a is. great art style and looks really good. It is. And it's got good there's like voice acting, there's mm. a there's a proper story, there's proper characters involved. I I'd kind of say that it's somewhere in between a normal MMO and a proper Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Like it's not the quality of a proper FF game and some of the voice acting is god awful, but <laughs> it wouldn't be a Final Fantasy game if it had yeah, like that's true really good voice acting all the way through so it's like better than a normal mmo in terms of story and there's cutscenes and stuff like that but it's mm. not as good as a as an actual ff game and it's still being supported there's there was an expansion last year 2019 um you know it's still going on it is one of the most successful mmos and it's well deserved honestly it is it is a fantastic mmo and well, one thing that it's done which a lot of mmos don't do is that it hasn't rested on the laurels of its kind of like hardcore community. Like a lot of people will stick with an MMO, even when it's kind of gone a bit stale, just because that's the community, which they like to interact with, which Mm. is not a bad thing at all. Like having that strong sense of community within a game is really important. It's a big reason why a lot of people play these types of games, Mm. but they haven't just done that. They've also continued to update the game, add really like lots of new content, you know, just make it really fun to play as well as to hang out in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it turns out I can talk about Final Fantasy fourteen quite a lot. I haven't played it for a long time. I, I did stop playing it ages and ages ago, and I find it very difficult to get back into MMOs when you've got quite far. I don't like starting yeah. again because I can remember everything as I go through it, so it's kind of boring. But also picking up where you left off can be quite challenging, you know, when you've just got, like, random quests that yeah, you need sure. to do. It, they're, they're big time sinks, and when, when you've not got, like, a lot of spare time, you've done it potentially already before, and there's also a lot of other single-player games that will give you the same effect without yeah. some of the more unnecessary complications of an MMO. Yeah it's kind of hard to jump back in exactly but yeah definitely well deserved on my on my games of the decade for sure well you've gone for quite a big game very expansive game a game that's still being supported this day well my game of 2013 is still being supported this day although in a very different sense and it's a much smaller game uh it was made by only two people um and that is rogue legacy Mm. um so this was released in june 27th in 2013 it's made by the developers Cellador Games, who have done a few other things before, but very small, like unknown mm. stuff, like okay. really sort of like kind of garage indie stuff, you know. Mm. This is very much their breakout hit. Uh, it's available on pretty much every console now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Windows, Linux, Mac, PS3, PS4, Vita, Xbox One, Switch, and iOS. So if you've got a electronic device yeah probably play if you've got a something (laughs) you can play it your smart microwave will probably be able to play it yeah um (laughs) and i as far as i can tell it's pretty much the first true modern reimagining of the roguelite genre Mm, okay yeah yeah, yeah, in this style at least anyway obviously there's always been roguelite games there's always been procedural games etc but this one is i feel like the first one to have really done it back in 2013 yeah with a platformer very much roguelike it is not even like a sort of roguelike it's very much a you die everything kind of goes back to the beginning sort of thing of your progress and it's a really punishing game because of it and a lot of people weren't used to that but it's also incredibly rewarding as well like getting that perfect run or you know just getting past that really difficult boss with like the smallest slither of health is Mm. so rewarding and then but dying doesn't feel bad either because dying gives you the opportunity to go back and spend all your gold that you've just gotten to upgrade stuff and you you almost look forward to dying kind of to go and upgrade like another thing it's like oh cool what we're going to get this time it's crazy to think that like 
Rogue Legacy, yeah, 2013. And we're still seeing a lot of like that sort of side of things is not completely saturated. I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking about Dead Cells, right? Mm, Which is like yeah, a, very, is a, good comparison, yeah. a very similar kind of game and, and clearly draws a lot of inspiration from, from something like Rogue Legacy. But Rogue Legacy, you're right, was really kind of like the sign of the video game industry thinking about roguelikes and and that kind of concept of like permadeath and randomly generating stuff and you know but also weaving in a continuation in the sense that you have that like it's like an inheritance thing isn't it in a way yeah like that's the idea legacy. so so the premise is you play as like a knight and mm. then when you die your heir comes and does the same thing you did uh, and you can choose between three different heirs who are usually of different classes that all have sort of different ups and downs. Mm. But even though you die and the castle that you're kind of going through and exploring, you think something like a Castlevania game, it resets yeah. and everything goes goes back to exactly how it was. But the castle then changes completely. Like the rooms are in different places. The enemies are different. The Everything's different. And you can lock it down, so it's the same as last time, but that costs you gold. So every time you pick up gold, you're not going to get as much. And you don't gain experience points at all. You gain gold. And gold is then used to upgrade your character classes, upgrade your equipment, upgrade your runes, upgrade everything. So gold is, like, so important. So you don't want to go through the same castle again unless you really need to because you want to make sure that everything that you get gold for is is the maximum amount you're going to be able to get you know it's there's so much uh balancing of mechanics and it starts out really simple because you start out with a guy and he doesn't really have much in the way of like strength he's just he hits with the sword and jumps and that's kind of it but then like by the end of the game you've got like classes that do ridiculous skills that can like jump forever or can fly or can life steal and there's some really cool like yeah there's some really cool like abilities and stuff like that which feel like you feel so cool or like tricksy to like use them um it's really cool and it's it's also a game that i think benefits and this is coming from a hardcore pc player the benefits from controller as well like trying to play this on mouse and keyboard becomes pretty much just keyboard really becomes pretty tricky and the the controller really helps support that as well i yeah i played it on ps4 because actually i think tony bought it on vita and it was one of those games where if you buy it on one you can play it on the other yeah 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 um and so i think i was like oh i'm interested in that so i played it just casually i didn't play a lot of it but i played it on ps4 just for the fun of it and to go along with all the wonderful gameplay as well because it's so tight the gameplay mm, like it, definitely everything is if you die it's your fault there's no like wiggle room for oh the game was kind of bad there or whatever yeah. like, no you if you're good you will be fine if you're not so good you'll die yeah to so go along with all that it has such a wonderful presentation as well it has a really nice clean art style like it doesn't leave anything to be sort of like ambiguous everything looks very kind of clean and crisp yeah uh, it's quite colorful and bright and vibrant it is even very in colorful. the dark areas mm. All the enemies are very distinct, and they have a very clear silhouette as well. So mm. you can tell what they are the second you see them. You'd have to look at what they like, what color they are, or what they're moving like. The second mm. you see them, like ah, that enemy is the one that moves this way or fires this thing, and you automatically know how you need to react when you see those enemies. Yeah, I sort of think of it like as it's like the game is quite technical in the sense that it is designed such that you can learn its nuance because of the fact that you go through it over and over again it is helping you by removing ambiguity Mm. and by being very 
predictable and obvious and clear because that is how you get better at this game. Yeah, you definitely. need to watch stuff and and see it happen and then it doesn't punish you by just tricking you. There's no like yes. bad, you know, like jumps to to something you can't see kind of that classic yeah. like trick of of killing people just by hiding something. Like it's like everything is very like this is how the game works and yeah. this is what is going to happen. The, the only time I suppose the game can be a little frustrating is if you get a little bit of a bad, like, procedural generation. Yes, Like, true. sometimes rooms can just kind of, like, be created in such a way that, like, you'll go into the next room and you'll immediately, like, start getting hit because you're just that's not true. sure what's on the yeah, other. Yeah, that's true. And it's pretty rare. Like, I find that for the most part, they're built in such a way that you have even a short period of time to kind of make sure that you're safe or you can back out of the room sort of thing. But it also requires you to be on your toes all the time in case those kind of things do occasionally happen. Hmm. Yeah, that's but true. It's a great game and I put a lot of time into it. Like I finished it twice nice. in terms of like I played it once and I did the kind of New Game Plus mode, hmm. which was a yep. lot of fun as well. The New Game Plus was was ridiculously hard and really enjoyable. <laughs> so I recommend it to anyone. And it's, it's great because it doesn't take a lot of time to play. Like you can pick it up for like 10, 15 oh, minutes yeah, or definitely. you can pick it up for like five hours. And yep. both ways of doing it are both just as enjoyable. So... I, I can't recommend it enough. You can pick it up on basically any console. So, yeah, go and play Rogue Legacy. Absolutely. Um, honorable mentions for 2013 for me. Uh, and I'm really... It's such a shame I can't talk about these games in as much depth as I did with Rogue Legacy because they're all so good. Uh, was Papers, Please. Mm, yeah. uh, like, the, the ridiculously popular breakout indie darling of the year. Uh, like, everyone was talking about it. Like, it was, like, on everybody's uh, kind of front pages on all the gaming websites. It's, also, it's a game them. that I still talk about. Like, you, you reference it. You know, it's such an interesting concept that that's the kind of, that's the kind of game you can talk to non-gamers about and be yeah. like, oh, there's this yeah, really yeah. cool game. And it's like, wow, like, that's a game? And you don't like, need yeah. gaming <laughs> skills or gaming kind of, like, pre-knowledge at all, you know, yeah, really. It's really so cool. So I, I love Papers, Please. Um, the Stanley Parable, bit of a weird one, mm. but I really had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think it started out as a bit of a, like a G-mod, like, source mod yes, kind of game. I think so, And then yeah. kind of got spawned into its own thing. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's not for everybody, but I, I had a lot of fun playing it. And Fire Emblem Awakening as well. Mm. Uh, it's very much the best of the modern Fire Emblem games, in my opinion. And although I haven't played Three Houses yet, um, so maybe that is better, I don't know. But Fire Emblem Awakening was a really great modern Fire Emblem uh, mm. entry, which I really enjoyed a lot. Both of my honourable mentions end in HD. Uh, that is uh, that is Wind Waker HD, which was just excellent. Uh, like because Wind Waker is excellent. Yeah, it is. Uh, I really would like them to bring it out on Switch because uh, oh, you know no one played it on Wii U. Let's face it. Uh, so they should definitely just they could so easily just take Wind Waker HD, put it on Switch. Even if they didn't say that it was a it was the a re release of the Wii U version, they would just get away with it. Because yeah, I think they'd get away with it. <laughs> like they could do nothing apart from just, just call bring it, it to the, the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker Switch. Yeah, done. It, like, and honestly, they could do that. No worries, and I would probably still buy it. I would buy it. Um, and also, Age of Empires Two HD. Yeah, um, classic. It's an interesting one because actually this or end of last year, they released the definitive edition, which was like the remake that they should have done in the sense that it actually was a proper remake. And the HD one was basically... It's an interesting story. Age of Empires 2, all of the like uh, units are look 3D, but they're all sprites. So they took... They made 3D models and then they generated animations in 2D uh, and saved those. They lost the original 3D models. Oh, no. Uh, and so for HD, 
when they made the HD remake, they were taking a bit of a punt to make it uh, because the AOE 2 was fairly, you know, it died, it had died down. Not that many people were playing it, but it was very successful, uh, even though it was a pretty bad HD remake <laughs> yeah. um, because it was just still using the same sprites and they basically just made the game not crash, <laughs> which was essentially and like added Deadly. some more content. But then they carried on supporting it because it was so popular. They added loads of new sieves and expansions and campaigns. Mm. It's a it's AOE two is such a dear game to me. Um, it was one of the first PC games that I ever played ever. Um, I remember playing the demo of it to death um, <laughs> when I first had a PC of my own, uh, like the very first one I owned, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, the the definitive edition is the one to play. They've actually remade the models in three D and stuff like that. So there's like a zoom um, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, still definitely. Uh, uh, it was an insta buy for me in 2013 so yeah, I, I can't i can't not mention it for sure and moving on to 2014 uh we've actually got the same game this time around yeah this is, this is the only game that we we refuse to both budge on yeah in terms of a game of the year 100 percent. so we're going to kind of combine our discussion on this one uh and that one for all of our long-time listeners is probably already pretty obvious which is elite dangerous yeah and and this is such a elite dangerous is such an emotive game um when i think about it as a concept let alone a game like just its existence and especially for the two of us you know elite dangerous is elite as a whole is woven into our friendship yeah and, absolutely and our existence <laughs> for once yeah, like, better, I, it, without the phrase. original elite that we played back in the day at school like we certainly wouldn't be making this podcast now i would yeah. argue and it, uh, you know that that could be made <laughs> and if if you don't it, listening to this if you don't know the story so elite is before our time Right, well before our time, as as like for 82? our age, yeah, something like that. It's really old. We played a version of Elite that is considered one of the best versions, and that was the one on the Acorn Archimedes, which was color. It was it was like hard mode, like it's it was much harder than all the other Elites. Mm. Um, but it was really, really, it was like the polished kind of like very smooth port. as well by comparison to really kind of like yeah. uh, jagged and kind of choppy other versions that you could play. And it was weirdly on this one Acorn Archimedes that our school still had in the like IT room. And I think it was mm. because the guy that the like head of the department was a fan of it and used to play it with his sister or something like this. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. And uh, so it was there. And we used to, yeah, like every lunchtime, every day after school, we would go and we would take it in turns jumping from like station to station uh, trading in elites. And it was just like, it was quite mindless, but also it was just so much fun. Yeah, it was for, a lot of fun. For no it felt like something that was reason. special to us as well, because yeah, it, it wasn't was. like anyone could go and play it. Like it was only available. There's literally this one computer because I think it was only the year beforehand, the school had upgraded all of these computers That's into right. sort of like windows, like 98 machines or whatever. Yeah. And this was the only one in the whole school and it just happened to have this game on it that because of the teacher and yeah it just it had a bit of a special place in it it wasn't just a game to us like it was very much a special piece of the activity for the days at our school exactly and like you say it was it was hard mode too you know it so was having you know we, we kind of got good <laughs> yeah <laughs> because yeah the auto dock was really expensive and we couldn't yeah. afford it so we yeah. had to learn to dock manually <laughs> we which... had to dock manually um yeah but the then, auto dock just didn't really work <laughs> like you know you often just crash and then it's it wasn't forgiving it was like no you've lost everything restart yeah, it was horrible. um so but i mean but, but then fast forward to 2012 
there's been quite a few entries in the Elite series since then. There had been multiple versions of like uh, so the Frontier Elites and uh, there was like a, another version. I can't remember the First name. Encounters, the yeah. First Encounters. First Encounters, that's it. They were There's a few bad. versions. <laughs> they, they, none of them were amazing. Like they no. were fine, but they didn't quite capture the same magic as the original did. Yeah. And then one of the original creators decided that he wanted to make a new Elite uh, and really kind of like make it a full on this is what Elite is game. Yeah. They started a Kickstarter. It got loads of money, which you were part of making. Yeah, there's um, actually a, there's, there's a funny story in between. Before, pre the Kickstarter, I've, I had to dig it out. I found the tweet. So January the 18th, 2009. So 10, like 11 years ago now, I tweeted saying that uh, I was reading my copy of Edge, the like video game magazine. Mm. And there was an advert in Edge from Frontier. Oh, the wow. people that make um, Elite, and they also have made, you know, like a bunch of other things. Like, was it Roller Coaster Tycoon? Is that them as well? Or yeah, like... they made ro- no, like Roller Coaster World or something. Oh, that's and they it, made yeah. like uh, like World Zoo. Yeah, uh, like they the did Planet Zoo and stuff like that. Planet yeah. Zoo, that's it. And Planet Coaster, and they did the Jurassic World game as well. Yeah, so like stuff like that. And and this Edge advert said that there were two hundred people at Frontier. And my tweet is like, according to an Edge advert, there's 200 people at Frontier. Where's my Elite Four? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then what's funny is like three years later, they announced this Kickstarter. And the thing is, is that actually all along they were working on Elite Four all that time. It was a joke. Even when we were playing Elite, it was already a joke that yeah. Elite Four was like vaporware and was never going to come out. It was out. the equivalent of like Duke Nukem Forever. And that's like 2000 and... I don't even know, six? <laughs> like, oh, but if not more so, yeah, yeah, even earlier. Like a long, long time ago, and it was already a joke. And then in 2009, it was still a joke. But then, yeah, the Kickstarter came out in 2012. I backed it. Uh, and actually, when they announced the Kickstarter, they were like, we are, have actually been making this and we can actually make it anyway. They didn't need the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter was there to help push it along and yeah. raise some money to sort of push the development even further which is the best thing to do right to be open and upfront from the beginning like look yeah like your money is going to be really useful but don't worry if you can't like yeah. we're still going to make it right and i backed it um i was in the first four percent of backers i wow. checked um i had a quick look yeah and then it that was 2012 and then it you know a couple of years later it came out and and you know i think we've talked before about the interplay maybe between it and star citizen uh, which is yeah. like around the same time was a kickstarter and still isn't out and lol <laughs> like, there's like it's it's such a we've done a whole episode on this but right like you can go back and listen to that one but elite dangerous although it came out in 2014 it still feels like it's coming out now yeah. but it's still a finished game whereas yeah. star citizen is still coming out but it isn't even out yet yeah so funny and that's that's one of the reasons one of many why elite dangerous is such a great game even though i didn't actually play it in 2014 it's very much one of my games of the decade because every time we go back onto it either on our own or part of like a land for example we're going to a land this weekend so we're going to play some then um Mm. you know there's always something new there's like a new ship to try out or like a, a new like gameplay mechanic to test out or something you know it's fantastic that they're still supporting it this day and it's not like it's a subscription service it's a one-off buy, buy you know you buy the game and very often it's on a really cheap deal you can pick it up yeah. for like what like yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. quid for the base game and then another tenner for the main expansion pack um you know it's so cheap but yet they keep adding more and more content yeah so it's just never stops being added to and it just does feel like the ultimate elite experience it does and you know what i don't it's a game that unlike rogue legacy 
it is not a game that I would universally recommend people play. No, definitely not. It is it is unapologetically hard. Yes. You need probably a joystick. Definitely even a controller is probably not enough, but at the same time it is absolutely the best elite experience. It is better than the than the original elite. Yeah, 100% um, by by a long way. And but at the same time it is still that original elite. It is what that game wanted to be now you know it is it is not frontier elite 2 it is not frontier first encounters and i'm very you know that was my concern when they announced the kickstarter because those two games were made by david braben who is Mm -hmm. at frontier uh and so my concern was that it was gonna be that again uh with all the kind of newtonian mechanics and weird stuff that it that entails but no it absolutely captures the original it really does uh and and, they they did a very kind of bold move as well and it's it's kind of passively always online yes you it know? is like it's sort of a weird little mmo kind it's, of it's, it's you can easily forget that but yeah like you can basically there's a lot of clever stuff behind the scenes with elite dangerous i spoke to someone once and i, I think i've told you this story the infrastructure is designed such that it can scale up and down depending on how many people are playing it and if mm. and if barely anyone was playing elite dangerous they would still be able to run it for basically no money yeah. um, because of the way that it's designed it's it's very heavily instanced but also whether you play it online or in single play you are still playing in the same universe yes yeah, so you're still, still affecting things. all the stats and everything like so that. it's like yeah. passive online but can be real online and it's instanced but you can't tell and yeah it's really interesting and the other thing that i found really interesting when i was looking for that tweet from 2009 and i searched for elite dangerous i have tweeted about elite dangerous a lot like when it first came (laughs) out and it was in beta there was a point where you had to pay a hundred quid to get into the beta Hmm. um, which i didn't do but when it did finally come out i tweeted about it a lot because i was playing it and following the development and it was such a different game to where it is today. Oh, absolutely. You know? That's one of my notes that I've got down is that the game as it came out is not the game that I would consider the game of the decade at all. Yeah. But it's just getting better all the time. Yeah. I, but even then, when I, I remember when I first played it, even though there was like stuff all to do and <laughs> like it broke all the time, like you jump coming out of Super Cruise was like 50-50 whether you would even make it out of Super Cruise, <laughs> whether you had to restart the game. But I was like, this is special. Like you could tell that yeah. it was, they had, they had done it at that point. You're like, they've cracked it. They've nailed it. Um, and it's only got better from there. I equate Elite Dangerous and the, so the way I kind of tell people that maybe don't know about it is that it's a more interactive and a more responsive version of Eve. Yes, like, definitely. definitely. E- e- Eve is too Elite Dangerous as something like, I know, Microsoft Flight Simulator is to like Pilot Wing 64. Right, In yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, Eve is very much about like the numbers and you feel like you're controlling things from like pushing an ass button on a keyboard, whereas Elite has you in the pilot seat flying yeah. around. Like, you know, if you want to do combat, you're a fighter pilot all of a sudden. You're not pa- piloting a capital ship, although that would be mm. cool, yeah. you know. Um, but it's not just the, the, the style of play, but it's also how responsive things are too. Like, it, nothing, there's no ticks, for example. Like in Eve, for example, you press a button, it kind of like ticks to when you've done something. Mm, yeah, Whereas yeah. In, in Elite, it's like, for the most part, obviously, with internet issues notwithstanding, it's instant. Like if you fire mm. a gun, then the other person gets hit 
when that gun is fired yeah it's a proper action game right like they've actually got that like real-time action you know proper it's not like a yeah it's not like a traditional mmo where it's like you're taking turns to fight you know to attack or anything it's like it's a proper action game like a proper dogfighting game like wing commander yeah that's a good example actually that's a very good comparison Hmm. but i don't want to go on too long because we've already gone on for elite dangerous a long time Um, (laughs) and we've we've talked about it many times in the past and we probably continue to do so in the future um the only thing i wanted as well to talk about briefly with elite dangerous is that it's probably got the best community in all of the gaming's Mm. world like if you have any problems you want to talk to anybody if you want to role play for example or you know you whatever and in almost any kind of way of doing it too elite dangerous is some of the best communities you will ever find you know it's got one of the most famous play groups in all of gaming with the fuel rats Mm, you know like everyone knows who they are like if you have not even heard of elite dangerous you've probably heard the fuel rats before uh, you know that it's such a inclusive game everyone's like yeah we'll help you don't worry about because it. it's it's not an easy game to get into it's not particularly no. user friendly from a, from <laughs> a newcomer's not. point of view but having everyone there like oh don't worry about it here's the trick to how to do this and you know try this little thing here and it gets people into it and then that just fosters yet more goodwill within the community for more people agreed great. agreed and they bring that community into the game they bring it into yes. the law you know it's a very reactive game like eve in 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 many respects but but more sort of developer driven but yeah 2014 joint game of yeah. the decades you know in fact it probably is one of the games of the like you know if you had to shortlist this even further yeah, for sure. it's, <laughs> it's definitely this would definitely there. be on the top for sure honorable mentions from me are far cry 4 uh, just because mm. I really enjoyed both Far Cry 3 and 4 so much, as I already mentioned. The story was really, really good. It was very enjoyable. The gameplay was just top-notch. It was such a great like first-person action game. You know, It was wonderful. Uh, this War of Mine, uh, which is a little indie title that had you managing like survivors within a war-torn environment but you weren't you know you were just civilians trying to kind of like stay alive it's a very similar feel to things like frostpunked in fact it was the same people Mm. that made it so you know uh and then pt the playable teaser made by hideo kojima before it got taken down it's now become a bit of a legend because of the short-lived time period about how scary it was and you know uh like that even though it's not a game i think it still deserves a, a, (laughs) a, a mention on this list Mm. my honorable stuff from 2014 i've uh, got a couple transistor we've talked mm-hmm. about it before i don't really have anything extra to say about transistor go and watch the no clip documentary which came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago yeah, at the time of recording the day. very worth watching very very interesting to see uh an indie dev struggling with their sort of tricky second album after bastion mm. and thinking about transistor made me want to replay transistor um Mm. it's and and appreciate it more because i don't think i appreciated it at the time as much as it deserved but it's a fantastic game and you should definitely play it and uh actually the the other one that i want to mention for 2014 is is destiny to be honest um because i think that it was such a big deal as a game and i really enjoyed it Uh, i didn't enjoy the endless expansions and Mm. the fact that you have to kind of weirdly commit to buying them one by one Mm. or you have to join at the very end but it can't you know it was such a hyped game and it tried a big impact on the gaming landscape it did it had a really big impact and i think that it's easy to forget the impact that it's had Mm. um now that a lot of games have copied it since now that we're five years away from destiny you know it's 
yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm still playing not Destiny 1, but I'm playing Destiny 2 mm-hmm. uh, on Stadia uh, every now and then. And it's basically the same game. And yeah. it reminds me that like, wow, like this is this game is from 2014, effectively. And this is an exceptionally fresh feeling game. It still um, feels great to play. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Destiny is definitely my other honorable mention for 2014. Uh, moving on to 2015, mm. I'll let you go first with this one. My 2015 one is exceptionally obvious if you know that this came out in 2015. I think <laughs> this is probably the game that I spent... Well, I say probably. It's definitely the game that I spent the most <laughs> yeah, time playing this decade. Possibly more than every other game added together, if yeah, I'm entirely honest. Combined. Um, and that is Heroes of the Storm. Mm, yeah, um, that's pretty obvious for you. It's like my game of the decade on a, yeah. like, what have I had the most fun playing yeah. in terms of just raw hours? It's got to be Heroes of the Storm. If you don't know, but it's a, it's the, it's essentially League of Legends, but Blizzard. It's kind of bittersweet to talk about Heroes of the Storm because it was half abandoned at the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. That Basically, Blizzard were like, look, we're not going to really, we're taking all the devs off this. Um, we're cancelling the esports. So they used to have the the like global championships for heroes. I used to watch it. It was the it's the only esports I've ever watched and like followed. <laughs> and they they cancelled it like know, one year into me getting into it. You know, it is still being worked on and being supported, but you know, when they sort of abandoned it, if you like, in at the end of twenty eighteen, that spurred on my resolution for twenty nineteen to stop playing it and yeah, to move on sure. to other games. Uh and so they they kind of did me a favour there. But I I really like Heroes of the Storm. You know, I, I played quite a lot, relatively speaking, of League of Legends. Like, mm-hmm. I did used to play it a, a decent amount at one point. I never got on with it that well. I always struggled with it. I really struggled with the community. Um, I would, yeah, that's definitely a very difficult pill yeah. to swallow if you want to play League. And to be honest, the Heroes community nowadays isn't much better. At the start, it was better, but it's kind of descended to be quite similar Mm. but it's such a less technical moba than league of legends you know you can enjoy it there's a lot of variety all the there's more fun to it yeah it's just yeah exactly like for league of legends to be fun you've got to be like invested you know and you've got to like play it and you've got to understand it and you've got to know everything and the learning curve is is steep and the learning curve for heroes is quite steep as well, but there's so much more variety and it's so much more dynamic. Well, the, to play. the other thing as well is it's more inclusive. Like you mm. look at the lands, for example, if like people like you and like you know the other guys jump in, you you all know what you're doing. But then if someone like me or Mix jump in, who don't really know what we're doing in heroes that much, we still have fun. Yeah, and we're not a detriment to the team because of the way that the mechanics work. Right. You know, even if we're not doing very well, we can still help and not hinder, even if we're not doing great. Yeah. And that was just some very, very conscious design decisions from Blizzard. They basically looked at League and were like, okay, how can we take away all the like elitist aspects of this yeah. game and make it into something? And when I saw that and saw those design decisions from Blizzard, I was like, wow, they've basically made a League that I want to play because they've yeah. taken away all the stuff that I hated about League. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I still play it at LANs. I do avoid playing it <laughs> day to day. Well, um, I mean, as long as you're not playing it on your own, that's the main thing. It's, yeah. it's very much needs to be a social thing, I think. It, it does. and But it's just it's just really fun. I've, I've had so much fun playing Heroes of the Storm. More fun than, you know, put together than, than a lot of other games. And 
yeah so it's it's such an obvious 20 you know game of game of the decade for me yeah absolutely uh, you know that plus elite dangerous it's like wow that's like two really serious like influential they're the, two, games. They're the contenders yeah, yeah. And they're the ones that you've spent the most amount of time playing and thinking about definitely um so yeah really obvious one that's i don't really have a lot else to say about heroes you know it's just it's such a great game my 2015 is also quite a bittersweet one as well because of what it represented but also what it allowed to become as well uh and that was metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain Ooh, um yeah. this one it's it's a really complex one so uh, it was released in September 1st, 2015, uh, after a very long development cycle. Mm. It was made by Kojima Productions, quote-unquote, uh, whilst they were still <laughs> part of Konami, um, and is available on Windows, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. How it was on PS3 and Xbox 360, I don't know, but it was. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> That's Konami trying to make as much money as they can. Anyway, uh, I'll get on to that. <laughs> so, like, this was the, the final game. No, for reals this time. It was the final game within the Metal Gear saga. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and it was also the final game that Hideo Kojima made whilst working with Konami. And that's why it's so bittersweet, because in a way it's really sad that the Metal Gear saga is over, because I'm such a huge fan of it. But it's also wonderful for them, for him as such an interesting game director and creator to move on and finally be able to make something else, which you might hear about in another episode coming up quite soon. <laughs> and not even if you ignore that aspect of this game and you just look at it as the game and you ignore the development of everything itself, the game is also really sort of like bittersweet and a tragic piece of exquisite art as well, mm. because it's such a bad, flawed game in so many ways, but it's also so incredible too. It's interesting how the like story of the game development or like where it fits into the landscape is interwoven into the game itself yeah, or like the analogy absolutely. is so strong <laughs> this, this i mean this is one of the to me metal gear solid 5 has so many similarities in its sort of like struggle development and creation process and it's and it's invested and very deeply connected creator it has a lot a very similar sort of pedigree something like evangelion for example right yeah yeah, yeah. great the, example it was created through pain like Ava mm. was created because it had so many problems with it and that's what made it so unique and interesting and that's very much the same now with Metal Gear Solid 5 like if the game was allowed as much to development time as ever needed and unlimited amount of money it would not be the same game it is maybe technically better but it wouldn't necessarily be as interesting as it became mm. um, I, I don't really have the, the time to go into so many all that detail about it but it as a game it's still really fun to play mm. uh the story is for a kojima game at least anyway it's still quite subdued um you know it's quite fun play to play you know and you don't even need a particularly strong understanding of the metal gear like legacy and the the story as it were you can still kind of sit down and play the game because they went with a more of an open world environment that things were more mission-based so you could just kind of drop in at any moment which was mm. an interesting choice but it was so bad as well there were so many strange <laughs> design choices like everything was it was very complicated to play until you got the hang of it is but it yeah, technically the worst game on our list <laughs> probably yes um but also one of the most important you know in so many ways too mm. um like it's probably one of the games that i've played the least amount looking over my overall games like in terms of hours played but it's yeah. left probably one of the biggest impressions as well so yeah, like I I could wax on about 
MGS5 all day long. The only other thing I wanted to talk about as well was how it also had a really awesome online multiplayer mode. Oh, uh, yeah. Which a lot of people don't really ever <laughs> think about or know about. Like, you obviously didn't know. I mean, you no, no. Reaction. And it was super fun. It was made by a different studio. Uh, ah, by okay. Like Kojima Productions LA division, uh, right. Los Angeles division. That just means like that's just like un unnamed group of people that for the most part, <laughs> yeah. But it was so it was made separately, like you know, out of house, but it was yeah. really awesome. It was a lot of fun. And the only times that it didn't really work very well was sometimes when they are like the actual connectivity issues were were right. fantastic sometimes or some bad lag issues. But the game to play when it worked really well was so fun and it was like really <laughs> cooperative. You had to work quite really closely together. It was very rewarding. Um so yeah. That was it, I think you can still play it. I'm pretty sure the servers are still up for it, but who's still playing it now? I'm not entirely sure. But yeah. Yeah. Um definitely a game that I would talk about in more detail in a full episode. I mean maybe even do like a retrospective on the whole Metal Gear mm. uh, saga in future at some point, because it definitely deserves a whole episode to itself for its its uh discussion. But yeah, definitely one of my games of the decade without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. Twenty fifteen had a lot of great games and Arguably, all of them are better <laughs> than Metal Gear Solid Five, but not as important to me. Uh, the Witcher Three came out in 2015, believe mm, it or not. Even yeah. though it feels like really fresh because of all the yeah. hype with the Witcher uh, Netflix series recently, a lot of people are getting back into it. Uh, Bloodborne came out in 2015. Oh, wow, yeah. And for me, even though the Dark Souls series sort of takes the, the limelight, I think Bloodborne is the best of all of those games mm. from From Software. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I I much prefer the aesthetic of like the kind of gothic Victorian era style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more aggressive combat mechanics are far more interesting and enjoyable. It's just mm, a, I, yes. I love Bloodborne. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and Evolve is a really weird pick, Ooh, and okay. I choose Evolve from its original release as opposed to what it became. Uh, because unlike Elite Dangerous, which got better over time, Evolve got a lot worse over time <laughs> but i played that game a lot on release and it was a great fun game to play with friends very communal game um mm. and it's such a shame that it went the way it did unfortunately mm. my uh my honorable mentions for 2015 i've got a bit of a variety here uh can't talk about 2015 without talking about majora's mask 3d Ooh, um yes. you know absolutely the the better version of Majora's Mask. I'm not having this. Uh, I know, I know, I know. But we've you, done but, this before. I know, but I'm not, but I'm so right. And you know, it it's yeah. Majora's Mask is a great game. <laughs> arguably one of the best, uh, if not the best, Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I definitely agree with. Uh, Go listen and, to our episode about that. And you absolutely want to play it in greater than 10 fps which is what you would be playing Look, don't it, start or we're gonna go over the 50 minute mark at this rate <laughs> um but yeah so that was that was good xenoblade chronicles x uh all, oh, of, the Zen- nice, yeah. all of the xenoblade chronicles games are great and x is kind of like the underdog now because mm. the first one was really good and the second and the it's second one, problem isn't it again xenoblade chronicles 2 was really good but mm. i think they need to they're bringing back the first game as like a definitive, definitive edition, on, edition switch. on switch yeah i think they should do the same for x because i, I hope think they do yeah the, actually in many ways there was a lot of really good stuff about x and it yeah it's a shame that it was on the wii u because it is a lot better than the console that it was on yeah uh and finally kerbal space program nice I good mean, choice geez what a game like what a crazy 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 game and who would have thought that would get so good <laughs> like it's 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 amazing it is so so good it On is paper, so much it's fun. awful but to play it's great <laughs> yeah and i love it i'm very excited for the sequel the sequel will probably be an insta buy for me because it's like 
I don't know. There, there is only Kerbal Space Program, right? There is no equivalence. There isn't any really equivalent. The only no. game that I remember playing that is remotely similar, and actually, like I was fairly comfortable playing Kerbal Space Program because I had played Orbiter. You know that like oh, right. open source. Uh, like vaguely, space yeah. shuttle simulator yeah i do vaguely recall it yeah. that you can play and it's like impossible and basically if you're playing it next to you you have to have and i believe i did have a printout of how <laughs> to like play the do game <laughs> and play the game actually just meant like get into orbit and then you're like cool i got into orbit and that's like three hours of repeated yeah, attempts of five percent of the process yeah and so actually kerbal space program is like uh, easy mode orbiter yeah. but still has some similar some similarities mm. um i played a lot of kerbal space program more than i felt like i played and yeah it's such a great game it's so quirky i love the fact that everyone at nasa plays it all the time <laughs> uh, it's just it's just so great what um, crazy contraption can we make this time yeah it's so good so yeah 2015 strong year strong mm, year 2015 mm. um for sure and actually you know it's interesting like we've covered a lot of games there uh 2013 to 2015 you know, some really big ones. For me, all three of those games are really big and really important in my mind. You know, Final Fantasy XIV, Elite Dangerous, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, well, and, yeah big, big important games. Yeah, big and big important games. And some of the honourable mentions as well. You know, when you when you look at it, it's been a... We're only halfway through and uh, it's already a strong decade. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to go back and think about these games. Well, you're going to have to check out our last episode in our three-part mm. mini-series uh, and see what games we ended up choosing for the last four years. It's like a bit of a bumper episode for you. Yep. And see what games made the very prestigious list of mm. Octal FM's games of the decade. Absolutely. I know. We feel like well, we need to have like a need to carve it in stone or something. And I'm also aware that we missed off a lot of games, even our honourable mentions on some I know, of these years, because they, they were such strong years. So if there's any games we didn't even talk about and you're like, how could you not talk about x game in 2014 do get in touch do let us know uh, maybe we'll do like a little like fan react episode if we get some responses mm. and we can do a soundbite on what people think we should have been in definitely these uh do do get in contact with us and let us know uh, and if you've yep. got any good choices you'll get some stickers if bad choices then probably not but yeah, yeah. no stickers no stickers <laughs> if you give us a bad choice um, don't but choose yeah, let... ride to hell retribution yeah exactly um but yeah let us know uh you can email us show at octal.fm tweet us at octal.fm facebook facebook.com forward slash octal fm uh, and don't forget to subscribe if you're listening and you're not yet subscribed uh, leave us a review if you can you know itunes google podcasts whatever even a rating a little five-star rating thing is really useful it would be very appreciative considering how long these episodes are and how much effort the editing is going to be for me on these ones yeah you're just looking at that that i'm just looking at the timer ever increasing like oh my god this is going to take forever yeah exactly but we knew we knew that going into this mm. we knew they were going to be chunky you can't <laughs> talk about your favorite games without going off on a few tangents that's that's very true um, that's an octal that should be our new tagline that's, <laughs> okay I'm that's putting the it, new octal fem strap line i'm putting it on the website <laughs> <laughs> um yeah in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been sephron and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon <laughs>